0: That's a pretty good attitude at 19, right? And so, uh, you know, and we all know what using credit cards are, right? And so we just wanted you to get to a place where you just get free from the cares of this life and from the pain of financial debt and bondage. We just want to make that available to you. be talking more about it. There's a table you can sign up following the service and so on. So let's get into part two of walking in favor. Walking in favor favor you know as i kicked it off last week a a, a big acute critical component of it is this and that is a lot of times we just think when we're walking in the favor of god everything just magically is taking place and everything's just going to work out it's just we're never going to have a problem we're never going to have a tough difficult time and if we do it's going to be short it's going to be a bump it's going to be quick and then whenever times do get tough, and life does happen, because let me help you in life, you're either entering a storm, in a storm, or just coming out of a storm. <laughs> I mean, in other words, if you, once you reach the summit, you got to go down. As you're going down, you hit a valley, then you start coming up, and you reach another summit, and you go down, and that's life. You live in a world that is cursed. You live in a world that has, been, that has fallen in sin. All the way back, you read it in Genesis Genesis 3 and understand that, you know, that we live in a cursed world, and as we begin to understand that, we realize that the Bible says that the the rain, the rain rains on the just and the unjust. Rain runs on the righteous and the unrighteous. And as we begin to understand that, and I want you to, the reason I wanted to teach this is because I really want you to get to the place where you truly understand what the favor and the blessing of God is. And not allow the enemy, when the tough times hit you, to convince you that you're not in those good times. That you're not in those places with God. Because just because we go through a tragedy in our life or we're in the middle of a tough time, doesn't mean that God's favor has left us. Sometimes you really don't even understand what favor is till you get to the place you're supposed to be. When you get to the place you're supposed to be, then all of those things begin to add up and you begin to realize, oh that that took place and if that hadn't taken place, I don't ever want to go through that again but I wouldn't be who I am today. I wouldn't be in this place with God that I am today. I wouldn't be in this place with my family or my mindset or with this family that I'm in if I hadn't went through that. That doesn't mean it was God's will for that to happen to you. It just means you live in a curse world and he's never gonna leave you or forsake you you know like the old picture that's you know in a lot of living rooms of grandmas and great-grandmas or maybe even in the restroom or bathroom of someone's house like that and it's got you know the pictures of this person Jesus walking on the beach together And then all of a sudden the storm comes and you had two footprints behind them and then all of a sudden you just see the one person and you see the tough times and then you just see the one set of footprints and the person's crying out to God and saying, man, what is the problem here? He said, what do you mean? Jesus like, what do you mean? Well, the, the, whenever things were going good and the sun was out, you were right there with me, two sets of footprints. But when the tough times come, I notice there's just one set of footprints. And Jesus said, because I was carrying you. You see, a lot of times we're being carried and we're really groaning and moaning at God. But really, he's carrying us through because through is important. Winston Churchill made it plain years ago. He said, when you're walking through the hell, don't quit walking. When you're walking through hell, don't stop walking. What's he saying? Walk on through. Because the only way you're going to get through hell is when you get to the other side. But when you got Jesus carrying you, when you got the Holy Spirit with you, carrying you along those tough times, you can handle and go through a lot more than you ever thought, dreamt, or imagined that you could go through. As we're talking about walking in favor, I talked to you last week about God is an ambidextrous God. God is an ambidextrous God. As we look at that principle, it's a very important principle because I think it determines, it really helps us to determine what favor is and how it operates in our lives. Uh, Whenever someone has a strong right arm, that means, you know, that's the arm you punch with, you know, that's the arm you pull things to you from, that's the arm you would push someone away with, the right hand or the right arm, that's your strong arm, you know, that's the arm you would probably throw the ball with, swing the bat, and so on. Drive the nails with a hammer, whatever it might be, You're that, the right hand is your dependable. The weak, and why is that? Because the left side of your brain is dominant to do with your motor skills and therefore with your motor skills for you it's your right arm now if your left arm is strong and I was teasing about it last week being a southpaw being a lefty that means that you're you're holding that punch back right your left arm is your strong arm that's the one you would defend yourself with push someone off punch whatever it might be grab something pick it up you would pick it up first with your left hand right and so we understand that that's our strong arm. So some, most people are strong with their right arm, mo- and some are strong with their left arm, and they're more accurate with their left, and these are more accurate with their right. Why is that? Because the right side of the brain is sending a stronger signal to the left side of your body. Now, some people are dual-handed. What's that mean? It means that on some task and some things, They would push or protect themselves maybe with their right hand, but maybe they're they're stronger in one sense to protect or to pull or to grab with their right hand, but with their left hand, they're stronger in throwing a ball or shooting a ball or driving nails with a hammer. So they're dual-handed. Now, that doesn't mean they're ambidextrous. They're just dual-handed. That means that they are stronger with some task with their left, and they're stronger with some task with their right. I shared with you last week about, you know, I shoot pool left-handed. I shoot a gun left-handed, but I throw right-handed and shoot balls right-handed and drive nails and right, with a pen right-handed. So I'll tease the, the boy's friends sometimes. They'll be, shoot, hey, Mr. Don, you want to shoot pool? I'll say, sure, I'll, I'll shoot the first game left-handed against you. Oh, okay. And they go, wow, man, I hate to see his right hand. He's really good. And then the boys say, he's right-handed. You know, what what are you doing? I'm tricking them because there's some things I can do dually that I'm stronger with both hands. But to be ambidextrous means that you don't have a weak hand. To be ambidextrous means I'm just as strong with every task with my left hand as I am with my right, or I'm just as strong with my right side as I am with my left. I got the same signal strength, strong signal strength going from the left side of my brain to the right side of my body right side of my brain to the left side of my body you say well why is that important well if you're ambidextrous if someone throws you a pen you can write with your right hand or identically with your left hand what does that mean that means i am strong on both sides that means i don't have a weak side and a lot of times we walk through life and look at god when we're going through the good times and we say man the strong arm of the lord is on us the strong hand of god is there for us But boy, when we're going through tough times, well, I must be getting the weak arm of the Lord. We we know he doesn't have a weak side because he's he's omniscient, uh, all-knowing. He's omnipresent everywhere all the time, and he's omnipotent, all-powerful. But in our mind, you know, when we're going through life and facing good circumstances and bad circumstances, sometimes we'll think, I must be getting the weak arm of God. And that's not the way the kingdom works. God is strong all the time. He is Alpha, Omega, beginning and end, and He is God, and He is God all alone, and there are no weaknesses in Abba. Say, there's no weaknesses in Abba with me there. Say that. Come on. Amen. So, as we get set up to walk in favor, last week I talked to you out of Job and and as I was talking to you about Job chapter 1, I went through the, the very first test that Job went through. And that was whenever God was saying, uh, have you, whenever the sons of God had came to worship God in the place they worshipped, it said, and Satan came along with them. And God looked at Satan and said, well, where you been? Like verses 6 through 12 in chapter 1, you can read it when you get home. He's like, where you been, Satan? And he says, I've been to and fro the earth watching you know that tells me right there he's got to go to and fro because he's not omnipresent like god right so we give him way too much credit he's not omniscient i mean he's not so he's not not on all knowing because he's not everywhere all the time he doesn't know what's in your heart just what you tell him, and he's not omnipotent because um, you know if he was he wouldn't have got kicked out of heaven with a third of the angels so god knew where he came from he's the one who kicked him out of heaven so here satan is and he's been going to and fro now, the Bible says Satan grows dimmer and dimmer as time goes on. So we know this much, whatever Satan was back whenever he was talking with God, way back here in the book of Job, which is like the first book of the Bible that was founded, that was in the timing of the scrolls, whenever he was that, guess what? That means he's gotten weaker from that point, not stronger. But the problem is, in the minds of people, he, we've allowed him to be stronger. We've allowed him because he's a liar, the Bible says, and the father of it. So as we begin to understand that and realize, wait a minute, so how do you explain good circumstances and bad circumstances? How do you, how do you explain, Pastor, the fact that I love God and I pray more than I've ever prayed, I've given more and served more than I ever have, and it seems like the toughest times in my life? Well, what I want you to understand about that is it's tough and it's difficult, but without God it might be impossible. And I can promise you this, when you get through to the other side, you're going to be stronger and greater than you ever would have been on your own. And God looked at Satan and says, have you considered my servant Job? For he's a faithful and upright man, a good man in all of his ways, he does all of his deeds, he does all the things he says he would do, he's a worshiper, and he was just going on and on about Job. And Satan said, well, sure, God, yeah, you would point Job out. I mean, he's the one that you blessed and favored, and he's the one that everything he touches turns to gold. He's the one that, you know, his family's perfect, and and his career, his business is awesome, and you've made him rich. He's just a very rich man. So, of course, why would you ask me to consider him? In other words, he's saying, I'm looking for the weakest one. I'm looking for the weaker ones because they're easier to sway. Isn't that something, how he looks for that? He didn't want the strong one, Job, right? He wanted the weaker ones. That's why the Bible says no weapon formed against you can prosper. No weapon. Only if we allow it to get in our mind and in our heart and become a stronghold. Say, yeah, but what if someone dies early and they're a Christian? They just beat you to heaven, so they won. What are you worried about? Is heaven second place? No. Ultimately, I believe in by stripes you were healed, and, and I believe in divine healing and walking it out all the way through. But you can't lose either way. So, whenever he was talking to Job and, 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 I mean, talking to Lucifer or Satan about Job, we see that all this stuff's transpiring, and finally he says, Well, okay, I'll tell you what you can do, Satan. He says, you can test him, but, and you can test him and take his possessions or whatever, whatever you want to do in your test, but let me tell you this, you can't kill him, you can't take his life. So Satan was like, oh boy. And you know, he went through these different tests, Job did, and he lost everything. He lost his family, he lost everything. And Job said he would, I mean, Satan said, well, he will surely curse God if you took any of that stuff from him. And God said, well, then test him. Now, it didn't say God did it, God allowed it. There's things in your life that God does step back and allow, and then there's some things he didn't really allow, you fought, cried, kicked through a tantrum and did it anyway. So, So either way, God's grace and repentance is there for you. But what I want you to realize is in this whole test with Job, a lot of people get all sideways on it, but it all began with God stepping back and allowing Satan to test Job. Now, we know in the end Job didn't curse God. We know in the end he went through hell, he went through a lot of stuff, but he ended up with a hundred times or a hundredfold of what he had before the test. How many of you would like to, you've been in a financial struggle and you'd like to come out a hundred times better financially off than before? Anybody? Yeah, how many of you would like to be, been in a physical battle and fight for your life, but you'd like to come 100% better and healthier than you were before you went in? See, how many of you, have, you got some struggling family situations or relationships in your life that are important to you, and, and, and even though they're hard or they're tough, you'd like to come through 100, with 100% healthy relationships everywhere? Yeah. So, so, so what I want you to realize is, is that we've got to come to a place of we're on a journey in this life, and while we're here, we fight what? We fight the good fight of faith, the Bible says. And faith is what? Knowing and trusting God. So as I know and trust God, the only way I can know and trust God is if I know that every born-again child of God, He blesses and He favors. The key is how do we access that favor? How do we get it to work on our behalf? So let's look today, and I'm going to take a few moments here and talk to you about Joseph. I may not get too far into Joseph today, but as we're talking about walking in favor, and, and here's what I want you to know. I want you to know this. I want you to know that favor is a fixed fight. Look at your neighbor and say, favor, favor is a fixed fight. It's a setup. It's a racket that God put on this earth, a good racket for you and I. Favor is a fixed Now, I gave you a little boxing illustration last week. I probably will hear again in a few moments. Turn with me to Genesis 42, and I'm going to jump kind of later in Joseph's life, and I'm going to jump through some amazing things that I really won't hit in detail here in the beginning. But as we look at the life of of Joseph, uh, at this time was the youngest son of Jacob, and then later on came Benjamin. But remember, Joseph was the one that had the dream, and 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 uh, that everybody would be worshiping him someday and he would be a ruler and his brothers got jealous and his dad was trying to protect him and loved him so much he gave him a coat of many colors to signify this is my favorite and my blessed child and I mean that just made his older brothers even more upset because the oldest child was supposed to get all the the, 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 the inheritance and all that and they're like wow Is Jacob going to follow kind of the law, the land of the way we do things as families in the Jewish faith? Is he going to just give everything to this young buck, this Joseph? And you've got to realize they had multiple wives, so these brothers weren't all from the same mom and, and, and so on. So there was a lot of family dynamics going on and a lot of kingdom dynamics going on at the same time. Now we realize that Joseph went out to feed his brother and what happened? His brothers, and they threw him in a pit. And then they didn't just throw him in a pit, they sowed him into slavery. And when he was sowed into slavery, then they sold him, took him and sowed him to, to Potiphar and his vineyards and his house in Egypt. And he worked in the fields of Potiphar, and then he got into the house, and then he was such a good manager that Potiphar put him over everything. But, later on, Potiphar's wife desired him... And Joseph was running everything directly under Potiphar. And Potiphar was the most wealthiest man in the land and one of the most wealthiest men in the world. And she falsely accused Joseph of trying to rape her. And we know the story. He runs out and she tears his cloak and has a piece of it. And he, at that point, Potiphar could have had him killed. But he loved him and he didn't want to kill him, so he just had him put in prison, in jail. So now, here this guy was in the pit, in the palace. Now, where is he? He's in the jail. It wasn't too long after he was in the jail, just keep doing his same thing, got down for a while, got his head on, and he began what? To be the main guy, running the jail basically, the main inmate in the jail. And then later on, as being a main inmate in the jail, Potiphar had, I mean, uh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh had a dream, and none of his people could interpret it, and he was killing some of his false prophets and witches and so on, and the baker and the uh, butler that Joseph had helped get out of prison, they said, we know a guy that can interpret your dreams. And so he brought Joseph up, and Joseph interpreted the dreams, this dream that Potiphar had. And basically the summation of the dream, maybe later on in the series we'll get more detail, but the summation was basically, when he interpreted for, for uh, Pharaoh, is that there's going to be seven years of prosperity and then seven years of famine. There'll be seven years that you can stock your grain, stock your food, stock everything up. But the next seven years there's going to be a drought and a famine in the land where people will come from around the world to buy from your grain and surely Pharaoh, you will be the greatest and the richest man on the earth. Man, Pharaoh liked that. you know. So he brought him out of jail and he said well I'm going to put you over this whole project over everything. Well sure enough he's putting it away. He's doing everything he's supposed to do. And this horrible famine comes and people are dying all over the world there's no food what's money if you don't have food right and so that's where we find ourselves and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna read to you here out of genesis 42 but i want to ask you a couple questions right before i get into it when we start reading i want you to think about it and then i'm going to talk to you about it the first question is when was joseph walking in favor because, see, I want you to understand that when you become a child of God, you're highly favored of God. And He has no special ones. We're all His kids when we give our life to God. And the second question is when was God showing Himself strong in Joseph's life? Because so many times we think He's showing us strong when things are going great and good and we're the popular one and everything's working out. But that's not the way it always is. When was God showing Himself strong with favor in Joseph's life? You see, what I want you to realize is Joseph was walking in favor even when it didn't feel like it. Even when it didn't look like it. Even when others thought he wasn't walking in favor. Why? Because favor doesn't have a strong hand and a weak hand because our God is an ambidextrous God. He's strong and mighty on the right side and on the left side. So you're never going to be in a place too weak to get delivered or set free because your God is a mighty, strong God. Can anybody say amen to that? So why is, why is favor a fixed fight? Why is favor a fixed fight? Well, remember I told you about Romans 8.28 last week. And it says this, and we know all things, what? All things, that means everything, all things, what? Work together for good for who? Those who love God. All things work together for good for those who love God and for those, what? Who are called according to his purpose. Called means selected. It's talking about the children of God. We're all called because Jesus said he came to give his life for what? whosoever shall believe on his name. So God didn't select people before he sent his son. We make the choice. We are free will moral agents, and we determine and decide if we're going to accept the salvation of God. And when we do, we become his chosen and select children. So why is favor a fixed fight? Well, let me show you here, because we serve this ambidextrous God. Come on up here, Josh. Give you my illustration this week. And what I want you to realize is right before we read this passage, and then I just want you to get this in your heart and in your mind for just a few moments, and then i got to rush. I may not get to the second part of this. But my brother was the one that won the state golden gloves. I boxed, but he he was the tough one. So what you do, what I want you to realize, when when the enemy was, when Satan was coming after Joseph, coming after, um, who was he? Job. He was looking to set Job up with a lot of circumstances and a lot of bad stuff and a lot of evil things, right? Well, one of the things you learn about fighting is you're always looking to set your opponent up. So if I'm going to fight someone and and get in a, like a fighting position that you would be, okay, so that would show me a couple things, right? You can Turn the gloves out. That shows me that Josh, his strong side is his left side. So he's a southpaw, not not his right side. For me, my strong side is my right side. So what you gotta do is you gotta change if you're a right handed person, I didn't know that but if you're a right handed boxer, that means I will stay in my same stance but I will lead with my strong hand. I have to constantly do this because if not, what's gonna happen, I gotta keep him off me so that I can protect myself. I don't want that strong hand. I can handle the weekend, right? But I'm gearing up As soon as I'm setting him up, and I'm jabbing him, and I'm jabbing him, and I'm setting him up, I'm keeping him off me. Then all of a sudden, I'm going to switch my feet and make my left hand my strong hand and come across my body. So whether he's left-handed or right-handed, I'm always doing what? I am setting the enemy up to use my strong hand. Why? Because I'm not ambidextrous, right? But God is. What you got to realize, no matter what setup the devil brings, he's going to face God's strong hand. It's a fixed fight. Every punch God throws is a knockout punch. It's not a setup punch. Thank you, Josh. Give Josh a big hand. Here you go, buddy. And what I want you to understand, guys, is this. So many times you're being set up and you feel like you're knocked out. You're being set up. You know, first thing, there's this hits your job and your hours are cut or, or, or your medical benefits are affected or, or something happens in your family or your marriage or your health. And, and, and you got to look at it. You've been praying and believing and doing what you're supposed to do and, pray, and it just seems to be getting worse. Just realize the enemy's testing you because the enemy is bad. Everybody say the devil is bad. What's John 10, 10 say? Jesus said it, right? Satan comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, come to give life and to give life more abundantly. I call it the John 10, 10 line. Devil bad, God good. So if a lot of bad stuff's happening in my life, i got to realize that that's a setup. How am I going to react to offense? The Bible didn't say you wouldn't be offended. It says be not easily offended. How how am I gonna react to a false accusation? How, how am I gonna to react to, to a financial attack? How am I gonna to react to being embarrassed over my money or over my marriage or over my relationship? How am I gonna react when someone betrays me that I love? You see, I gotta realize that it's not them as much. I'm not fighting Paul. Listen, Paul said you're not fighting flesh and blood. You're not fighting this one that beats the air. But you're fighting principalities and powers and wickedness and evil in high places. If you're gonna get offended, get offended with the devil. If you're gonna get mad, get mad at the devil. Because he set those people up that's hurting you. Hurt people, hurt people. Yeah, I'm like you, I'll get frustrated with people in the beginning, but when I get alone, if I haven't come to my senses and repented before I get alone, when I get alone, God says, all right, Dalton, we got something, I want to worship, no, we got something to take care of. No, I don't want to do that. Yeah, you're going to do it. No, I don't want to, I don't, well, I want to be mad a while, God, can I just be mad a little while? <laughs> no. Yeah, you can be mad all you want, son, but you're not going to be able to access my favor or my blessing. I got it here, it's covered, it's never let you. Do you want the, my joy? Do you want my peace? You want my victory? Do you want my strong arm? Yeah, okay. I'll I, I give up, I'll repent. I'm sorry, I'll forgive them anyway. Why? Because it's a setup. The devil uses people to manipulate us and to tear us down, and they don't even realize they're being used. It's a setup. And there's a few people in the Bible that figured the setup out. Job figured the setup out. Joseph figured the setup out. We have all of that to realize. It's a fixed fight, but you got to go by the plan. When a fight's been rigged, there's a plan. What round they're knocked down in, when they take the punch, all those things. Why? Because there's a payoff. All the Vegas people and the gamblers and so on, there's a payoff. So if you don't go down at the right time, the right way, in the right realm, the payoff won't come like it's supposed to. Satan is setting you up for the biggest payoff. You're thinking, I got by with that one. Ah, Okay, Lord, I'm sorry. I got by with that. Okay, Lord, I'm sorry. All it is is the devil setting you up for the biggest payoff he can get out of you. And the whole time you're looking at, well, God, everybody's picking on me. You know, you got that Charlie Brown anointing on me. Was everybody always picking on me? Maybe because you give too much attention to people. How about if you give your attention to the Father? Maybe you are dependent on your own strength, and sometimes you're fighting with your weak arm, and sometimes you're fighting with your strong arm, but guess what? Neither one is the strongest either arm of God. So do you want your strength or God's strength? Do you want God's strength? God's punch or your punch to punch out the devil. So what we got to realize is we can't allow the enemy just to set us up time after time after time. It's just different people but same situations. It's just different financial attacks but the same financial setup. It's just a different physical health attacks but the same process that got you there in the first place. And we got to remember, first of all, devil bad, God good. God came, sent Jesus to give us abundant life, get in agreement with him, get our attention off of, a oh, poor little old me. You know, if I'm looking at my feet all the time where I'm going, I wouldn't see this piano, and I'd just walk right into it. Well, what am I doing? I'm watching my steps. They're ordered of the Lord. I'm watching my steps. And I can walk off a cliff. I got to be vigilant and looking and trust God's favor with my steps and let him when I pick my foot up set it down let him use my mighty hand and when that's not enough he uses his mighty hand and realize no matter what I come through when I get through devil you in big trouble because they're gonna see greatness come forth you, we don't remember people all the times about how great they were we remember people are great because of the hard tough crazy stuff they came through right You know, people honored General Patton. It wasn't because he was a first lieutenant that never did much. He was a war strategist. He was a fighter. They remember President Teddy Roosevelt, the rough rider, the fighter. They remember people that came through some tough stuff. We quote Winston Churchill because he went through some tough stuff and led a country that was given up in the war, and he brought them through and re-fired them. Why? We remember people of greatness because they brought people through great hardships and great tragedies what are you saying preacher it's a setup. the greater the attack the greater the payoff what's the devil gonna do with you if the devil has has whatever way use you or other people it's still a spirit to manipulate and destroy your marriage and if you can't put it back together and here you are by yourself then you take it as a setup and God's got the perfect person for me and I'm gonna have myself so ready and so close to God that it will just happen and when it does it's gonna be the greatest marriage that anyone's ever seen in their life and it doesn't matter if I'm 60 or 70 or whatever but why because I'm gonna take the setup that I fell for from the enemy and I'm gonna turn it back on him and I'm gonna come through that thing and be happier more content and more effective for God and for other people than I ever would have if my first marriage had made it. It's not God's pl- plan or will for anyone to be divorced. But it happens. It's not God's plan or anyone for, to have a tragic car accident. But it happens. It's not God's plan or anyone for Christians to go bankrupt. But it happens. What do you do when it happens? It's a setup. So, what if... You step back and allow God to turn your tragedy into triumph. What if you allow God to turn your battle into victory? What if you step back and said, no matter what, I'm going to pray, I'm going to seek God, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to study, I'm going to learn, I'm going to do better, but mainly I'm going to rely on the strength of the Lord. Not my talent, not my gift, not who I know, not who knows me. I'm going to rely on the strength of the Lord and do everything I know to do in my power and get up and do it. But I'm going to rely on the strength of the Lord. What is that? I'm saying I'm activating his favor. How do I activate his favor? By positioning myself. See, it's about positioning yourself. What? Getting yourself in a position like a satellite. You're beaming in. You're a satellite and beaming in on the side. Sat- Uh-oh, you get the download now. Look out. I mean, the devil better watch it when you get a download. You need to say, devil, my signal's weak right now, and it's kind of cluttery, and I'm on and I'm off, and I'm tr- I'm getting a scattered message, and and I don't have the clarity I normally do, and I, I don't have the 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 strength and and I can't see and do you know what I need to do as well, but I'm just doing what I know, and all of a sudden, bam, you're gonna be like in the middle of something, and boom, it's gonna hit. Right there. Oh, don't move. I'm getting a download right now. And Here, just try to stay right there. Boom, and God's going to download. And it doesn't download for you to stay there. He downloads so you can see clearer, be stronger, be better, be more efficient, be a greater weapon in his hands. See, because he believes that much in you. Wow, I didn't even get to read that scripture. I guess I'll do that with you all next week, Genesis 42. I did you'd be here another half hour so I guess I set you up for next Sunday right because I really want to get to talking to you about famine and that a lot of times when we're in a famine in our life we don't see God's favor my goal instead of getting you to accuse people or to accuse yourself or to accuse God Is to put your attention on God and just take for granted it's the accuser of the brethren, Satan. But, you know, he attacks everybody. You're not special. You live in a cursed world. But if you'll come to the place in your life to where you will take whatever comes your way and turn it into a positive. One message in this series I was wanting to title it. I may still title it this. Life is like a box of chocolates. I really want to do a series on that. But I couldn't remember how many people would still remember, you know, the old movie uh, with, uh, what's his name? Huh? Forrest Gump. And I'll never forget, he's sitting there and he's talking to someone and he's like, what? Life is like a box of chocolates. And and it's like that. Life is like a box of chocolates, isn't it? And you're sitting there, and even though you got the little combination on the box, you know that says Car- caramel is in this, and peppermints in this, and nuts are in this, and, and you're sitting there. And what we do? We bite the corners off and see. Ooh, okay, I'll take that. Now you, you ever pick up one of those boxes and all the corners are bitten. Okay, well you can figure who did it because only the ones that like certain things. They don't like raspberry in their chocolate. They don't, like, you know, they don't like coconut. I know you did this. If it wasn't you, you know, I know the coconut's gone and the caramel's gone, so it had to be you. And life is like a box of chocolates, and we want to just take a little bite and put it back, because we don't want to walk through it. Oh, you quiet now. You know, we don't want to walk through that. We'll take a little bite with that relationship, but we can't deal with that. Let's go. another relationship. We'll take a little bite out of that, you know, friendship, a little bite out of that career. Nah, change career again, change career again, change career again. Take a little bite out of that church. Ah, change that church again. Change that church again. Change that. And what happens, we've got to realize we enter the next place the way we left the last place. doesn't matter if it's a relationship, a church, a business, a career. We enter the next place the way we lost. That, so if I'm not healthy when I leave, that doesn't mean you don't leave situations. That doesn't mean you don't change churches when the Holy Spirit works it out and you do it. It doesn't mean that you don't change jobs. It doesn't mean you don't end relationships and start new relationships. It's just saying if you don't do it healthy, you won't be healthy when you try to do it the next time and you'll probably get the similar results so life is really like a box of chocolates and if we don't know the map if we don't know where to look and God's the Bible is like that map on the box of chocolates inside that tells you where each, wouldn't that be cool you just look at the map and go okay I'll get the caramel and the the coconut over here and and you start picking out exactly what you need, the the better you read the map. Favor has a map. The blessing of God has a map. But we have to be connected through the Word and through the satellite and, and be a place where God can download His favor. He, you got the favor, it's just got to be downloaded. you got the blessing, it's just got to be downloaded. You say, we equate a big checking account as favor, we equate health to never be sick as favor. We equate, you know, perfect relationships all the time as favor. No, none of that is favor. Those are benefits of favor. Favor is, even in the good times and the bad times, you have the favor and the strong arm of God on your back. But you got to get yourself in a position to download that. And, and and I tell people, they're like, Pastor, have you ever seen this or seen that? Yeah, I mean, I've been through it or I've seen someone that's went through it or helped someone. Oh, okay, yeah. Wow, that's tough. That's yeah, but you got to realize. I always tell them, through's important because I can always tell it ramps up stronger and stronger right before the breakthrough, right? Every time. It doesn't matter if it's relationships, money, business, church stuff, health stuff. It always ramps up the strongest right before it snaps. The most pressure is on a stick when you're getting it to where it's ready right to snap. It's like, man, if I let go of this thing, it's gonna boom, flop it. You just got to finish it and snap it. That's what you got to do with the devil and his tricks. You got to just keep the pressure on him. Snap it. Okay, I'm just going to look. I got a problem with this person. I'm just going to, no. Okay, I'm just going to go rob a bank. No. I'm going to go steal my meds out of the pharmacy. No. You put the pressure through prayer. You put the pressure through love. You put the pressure through faith and peace and hope. And you just keep putting that pressure, you know. Isn't it tough when you really don't like someone and they're so nice to you? Even when you're mean to them, they're just nice to you. You're like, it makes you madder for a while. And then you realize that's really how they are. And then you're like, oh, I can accept all those goofy things about them. They're just so nice. And you end up liking them anyway. Well, you know, we got to come to a place where we like favor and we like the blessing of God, right? And we got to realize it's not what it always appears to be but it's there if you would just every head bowed and every eye closed I want to pray with you let's pray for you for peace and unity in your life and strength and courage provision, health just all those benefits that favor and blessing brings now when you're sick it doesn't mean that God's favor written on you, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong, it just means that you're in a cursed world, it just means that it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. That, that's not a sign of how spiritual you are. What is the sign of how spiritual you are is how you handle it. You know, the book of Acts tells us that spiritual conflicts come to show who is spiritually stronger. So even when you're falsely accused or you look like, you know, you're a mess or you're this or that, and maybe you had a part in it or didn't because there's grace and repentance, And you stand through, through is important. You'll end up being spiritually stronger and lead other people to spiritual strength. But you've got to stand. How you pass the test, if you don't pass the test, you get to be like the children of Israel, take another lap. Forty years, 40 laps they took. And still, bunches of them didn't get to go into the promised land. So don't be those people. Learn it. Whatever lap you're on, learn it. Repent and give it to God. And do what he tells you to do. So if you're here and you say man I don't want to take another lap there's just some things I need some cycles I need to break in my life and I just need to take responsibility and tap into God's grace to move on if that's you just wave at me just wave at me You say this you have a lot of hands going up. man I know that that could be me every month or sometimes weekly Father I just pray for these that are so sincere and honest right now that God there's times we just got to break cycles in our lives whether it's things attacking us or We're out of order or just for whatever reason, stuff happens. God, I just pray right now those cycles are broken. I just pray right now that you lead us and guide us by your Holy Spirit through your word. That as we walk off this property today, we have peace that passes our own understanding. That we can't even figure it out on our own. That we just have joy in the storm. We have joy in the midnight hour. Anytime, day or night, we walk in your favor and your blessing because we're your kids in Jesus' name. Give God a big shout of praise if you would. Come on, give God a big shout of praise. I also want you to know that uh, our prayer team is here in the care room waiting to pray for you. We have gifts for you, especially you that are first-time visitors as well. But if you need a Bible, if you need to give your life to Christ, they're there for you as well. We love you. God bless you. Give a big shout for Travis.
1: Amen. I don't know about you. I thought that was good. That was good. How many of you guys are ready to just continue to walk in favor regardless of what your circumstances look like this week? Man, we are so excited about what God is doing here at Bethel, and we have a lot of opportunities for you to get involved and be a part of what God's doing here in this house and outside of this house. Not only does serving bless the people that we get to touch each week, but it gets to bless and change our lives as well. So we just want to talk about a few opportunities that we have here at Bethel for you to get involved and in maybe a deeper role. So I'm going to put some slides up on the screens. We've got a facilities team that we just started um, going on, and we need a few things for this team. So we need handymen, people who are able to help out with some general building and maintenance and repairs. Um, We're starting a cleaning ministry here at Bethel that's going to begin to prep us for Sundays on Saturday mornings. Um, Becca's going to be up here at the front if you're interested in being a part of this team. So on Saturdays, we're going to clean for about an hour on Saturdays. And then we're going to tidy up on Sundays, just hitting the bathrooms and some some other areas really quick. But we need about 10 people each Saturday to just come in and spend an hour of your time just to clean and get everything ready for Sunday morning. And then on Sunday mornings, we need about three men and three women just to keep those bathrooms clean. If that's something that you feel like God's calling you to do or something that you'd be interested in, come see Becca up here at the front. Also, on Friday the 17th, that's next Friday, and next Saturday the 18th, we're going to have a landscaping day. And we just need as many people as possible to come out and just help us get the grounds ready. We've got Easter coming up. We've got Community Spring Fest coming up, and we want to really just put some work and put some love into Bethel and take care of the grounds. If you don't want to work outside, hey, you know what, that's fine. We're going to have people inside cleaning and getting things ready as well. So we just invite you to come out next Friday and next Saturday. That's going to be from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., both Friday and Saturday. We're going to take care of the grounds. Another ministry that we have, um, this is kind of personal for me because I'm the media director, but uh, the media ministry is also looking for volunteers. And what we do is we get to enhance service through the screen graphics, our lyrics, our verses, and the video projection. We also get to um, capture what happens here on Sunday so that people are able to see it online if they're not able to be here. Um, we average, uh, I think, it's about 10 people online each week watching us who aren't able to make it into service. And then we have people ordering DVDs and CDs every single week. And we've got so many different positions. Chris is going to be our media uh, sign-up takey over here. But we need people to put... The, these, these slides don't just happen. These are these are put up by people that are in the back. So we need three presentation operators to put slides on the screens. We need about eight camera operators who can help capture what God's doing. And then we need three board directors. If you'd like to boss people around, that's a, that's a good position for you. You get to be a board director and tell people what to do, how to zoom in, what shot to take, and things like that, but it's a lot of fun. No experience is necessary for any position that we're gonna talk about today. We will provide you with all the training. Another area that we're really, really excited about because here in the last few months, we've revamped our children's ministry, and so Be Kids is our children's ministry. Every single week, we have about 80 to 100 children that we get to minister to. I mean, for me personally, just being a kid at one point in time and going through the youth ministry and things like that, it's so vital to reach our children at a young age. And every single week we get to have that opportunity and uh, Pastor Steph has been taking that on here lately. Um, She's built her team up and it's been amazing, but there are a lot of kids and there's a lot of stuff that we still need. So we have about 80 to 100 kids that we get to minister to every single Sunday. And we need different positions like craft and curriculum preparation teams. Those are just people who come in and get the things for each service ready, get things ready throughout the week for Sunday. And we need people who do registration and check-in. We need people who uh, can be lobby hosts. And all you do there is just walk parents and walk uh, children to the classes, let them just kind of, you know, take them to where they need to go. We need uh, teachers for the the babies, the walkers, and the preschoolers. We need um, K through first grade and second grade through fifth grade small group leaders, as well as kindergarten through fifth grade large group teachers. So if you have a passion for children, God's put that on your heart, or that's something that you feel like you want to do and get involved with, then we invite you to come and talk to Summer over here. She can sign you up for our B-Kids ministry. Again, no experience necessary, all training is going to be provided for you. Another thing that we're really excited about in a ministry that we see expanding a lot this year is Compassion Ministries. And so I know last year our our statistics, our stats were really, really amazing. And this year we're just expanding. So we're looking at starting to distribute food. Right now we're doing it once a month. We're having people come here and get food. And we're also going out once a month. But we're actually looking at being able to allow people to come in. And get food here with a weekly distribution. And that's where God's leading us. John's going to be up here to take some sign-ups. But Compassion Ministries, we just need people to pick up food twice weekly for distribution. And then people to come out and to distribute food to the families of Justin and Fayette County. So on Mondays, we need four volunteers per week to go and pick food up. On Wednesdays, we also need four volunteers per week to pick food up uh, from Aldi's and Kroger's so that we can prepare the boxes. And then on Thursdays, we need about six volunteers per week to come out. When people come into Bethel, we get to have people come into this house and actually pick food up and take it home. And they don't just come in and pick food up, but every family, every person that comes into this building that picks food up, we pray with them. We get a moment to minister to them and to let them know how great God is and how much we love them and how much God loves them. And then we also just need four people a month to be able to bag, boxes, to get those boxes ready for us to go out on that fourth Saturday of the month. Um, the last thing we have that we are very, very excited about, we didn't do it last year, but we're so excited for it to come back, is Community Spring Fest. Now, how many of you guys have been here for a Community Spring Fest? Just wave of hands real quick. Okay, so each time, we've, we've done it, what, twice now? So this is our third one. Each time we've had over 5,000 people on our grounds, on our property that we've gotten to show love to. We have Easter egg hunts. We have an Easter bunny. We have candy, and, and, and people just go crazy for this. This is one of the greatest outreaches that I've ever seen in my entire life. And so we have about 4,000 to 6,000 attend each year. We hand out thousands of bags of candy, and it doesn't just happen. I mean, our team is working tirelessly around the clock trying to get this ready, but we need about 200 people to sign up for that Saturday, which is April 15th, the day before Easter, to come out and just work a two hour shift. That's all it is, just two hours of your day, two hours of your Saturday to help impact over 5,000 people. We're gonna have a volunteer informational meeting on Sunday, April 9th at 1 p.m. right after second service, but Kathy's up here in the front right now and if you wanna volunteer for Spring Fest, you you can sign up for anything you wanna sign up for, but just that day right there, we need as many people as we can get. And all we're asking for is just two hours of your time for that day. And you're going to change thousands upon thousands of lives. So we're excited about what God's doing. There is plenty of opportunity. There's no reason that anybody should ever say, well, I just don't feel like God's using me. Because God's opening doors for every single person to be used in this house. And we are so excited about it. So we're going to pray real quick. And then I invite you to just. So we've got Financial Peace University. Like Pastor said earlier, the ABCs of financial freedom was just so amazing. We saw so much fruit from that that we said, hey, let's, let's keep it going. So we're doing a Financial Peace University. My wife and I have went through Financial Peace University before, and it completely changed our lives. It changed our marriage. changed everything that, you know, every way we looked at finances, um, now we're, we're following it, you know, step by step going through it. And uh, it's just really changed our life. Our classes are going to be led by Jenny Webb. And they're going to start on March 26th. That's uh, a few Sundays from now. They're going to go through May 21st. I think it's a nine-week course, if I'm not mistaken. Um, The cost is $93. And those classes are going to be on Sunday at 4 o'clock. So $93, just so you know, nothing goes to us. It's not Bethel gaining anything from this. It's just us saying, hey, we want to hold this. That's all for the materials. So $93 just pays for your book, your CDs, everything you need for the class. But this is just us again saying, man, we, we're not doing this for us. We wanna do this for you. We wanna see each and every one of us walking in financial freedom. We wanna see each and every one of us having financial peace. So if you're interested in signing up for Financial Peace University, you can go to the table out in the lobby and sign up for that as well. So we're gonna pray real quick and then just come sign up. I wanna see everybody just rush rush the stage and sign up. It's gonna be awesome. But God, we just love you so much and we thank you. God, we thank you that you don't just call us to, to hear you and to listen to you and to just follow you, God, but you call us to be used by you. That we're not just people who come into a, a church to sit in a congregation and just listen to pastor preach, but God, we're called to be used. We're called to be your hands and feet. We're called to be tools. And so, God, we ask that you would just use us. And we thank you that you call us to be used, and uh, Lord, we just ask that you would just bless our week, bless our hearts, God, and we just give you praise in your name, amen. We love you all. Come sign up for a volunteer position, go sign up for FPU out in the lobby, and we'll